Hello, I'm Susan Dunlop and welcome to episode 13 of Coffee and Contemplation with Women. Today I'm really happy to be able to share that we've managed to find our first septuagenarian who's been willing to step up and share her story. Septuagenarian meaning a woman in her decade of in her 70s. Marg is a very youthful elder of our community. And Marg was put forward by her granddaughter Sienna as having a rich life and a story worth sharing. I'm not going to go into terribly much background because we do cut across a few decades of Marg's life and the story will unfold as we go. Marg is joining me from Veriadale in the Noosa hinterland. This month is the celebration of her birthday. So welcome Marg and happy May birthday to you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really grateful that you said yes to um, to share your story, seeing as your cheerleader um, granddaughter is very much behind you um, being part of the podcast. Exactly. I'm, I'm a bit surprised that you put me forward, but we'll see how we go. Yeah. Um, you were saying earlier that you, know, you didn't feel like you had a story to tell. Um, I think... I think I've had, I'm not going to say had, I hope I've got a lot more years ahead of me yet. I I think my life has been fortunate. Like everybody, I've had ups and downs. Um, But more ups, I guess, than downs. Um, I think think as you get older, you learn to roll with the punches. And I do think of myself as a survivor, so maybe that helps. Yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, um, well, how about we slip back 72 years ago and uh, maybe you can share with us your earliest memory. Okay, my first memory, I was two and a half at the time. I was in hospital with bronchial pneumonia and I distinctly remember um, the nurse bringing me a block of chocolate or a lolly or something that and I thought thought it was a lovely place to be because they gave you nice things. But later on, I realised I had glimpsed my mother through the window because in those days, of course, you know, there weren't mothers weren't allowed to visit young children in hospital. Oh, um, I just remember seeing mum there that time, and um, I came home from hospital with not one but three imaginary friends mm. called, wait for it, Bupley, Dada and Sorcel. I have no idea where those names came from. I remember mum and dad sort of quizzing me about it and saying, well, who are these people and where did they come from? And I was just saying, you know, they live over there and um, they were in my life for quite a while. Oh, wow. I used to just to them, yeah, weird names, and I, I really don't know where it all came from. Um, yes, that's my earliest memory. That that bout with bronchial pneumonia was followed up a few months later with what Mum thought was a return of it, but it was actually um, asthma. And she said, she said to the doctor at the time, "Don't be ridiculous. Only old people get asthma." <laughs> But, of course, once I was a confirmed asthmatic, um, Mum soon learnt that there were other children who, who suffered from asthma. Because mm, you've so been that, a chronic that, asthma sufferer, haven't you, all you? Yeah, life. it yeah. pretty much dominated my childhood years. Mm. Um, like I, I remember being 
going home from hospital, say, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and being back at 10 o'clock at night. So it was um, interrupted my schooling quite a bit. Yeah. But did you have I'm any... Done. Sorry. Um, did they have anything particularly they treated you with at that stage? I know, like, my brother oh, had yes. it in the 70s and it was very much about doing swimming was a thing for him to do. To yeah, no. Relieve it. Yeah, it, that sort of came later and I must say that I really wasn't out of hospital enough to ever do any proper swimming. Mm. But um, what they used to treat it with at that time, when I would go into hospital with a bad attack and I would be really gasping for breath, they would inject me with adrenaline. Yeah. And I sometimes think I'm a bit of an adrenaline addict because if I have, when I was studying, if I had um, an assignment that was due, I would always, it would always be a last minute Nelly rush, you know, and I did wonder whether I needed that adrenaline <laughs> rush to kick in because I've so become addicted as a child. Gosh, how much adrenaline are you allowed to take? Is there any restrictions on how I, often you can have? I don't know. I, I've, got, I've got a number in my head of nine and I thought it was minims, mm. but that could have just been the child hearing what they were saying. So they would do they'd inject it into my arm a little bit at a time and I could feel my breathing easing it was you know on a really bad attack um I'd be I'd have an oxygen mask on to to get my breathing yeah so you know I guess I was pretty sick as a child but I don't remember my childhood as being I don't feel like I missed out on too much if that makes sense what ended up um, giving me a normal life, I guess, was when I was 12. Um, so I lived in Gladstone, which is on the coast. Yeah. And, and so quite a, a, a moist climate. So I went to Barcaldon, which is a dry climate in the west. I boarded in the convent there for two and a half years. And... Um, that seemed to help with a lot of people. I remember there was another girl boarding there at the same time and she was an asthmatic from Gladstone as well. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah, I've been to Barcaldon. It's very dry. Yeah, so change of climate, um, I think probably combined with puberty because they do say it goes. they go in seven-year increments. Oh, do they? Okay. So, yeah. So, um, and then I, the next, I was free of asthma all through high school. Um, and then when Jenny was a baby, I had a bad, bad attack, um, okay. which may or may not have been to do with, with hormones. I don't know. No. And then a couple more through then I had a really bad attack when I was in my early thirties. Um, so much so that I stopped breathing. We're actually here camping on, we just bought the block. We're camping here in the bush and I had a bad attack. And um, Digger was driving me into hospital and I stopped breathing on the way and he said he drove one-handed, punching me with his left hand, trying to do with a CPR on my chest as we drove. Oh, um, I came to, they again injected me with adrenaline that time into my neck. And I remember thinking, uh, you know, I sort of, as I came to, I thought, oh, there's air there. I can breathe now if I want to. But if I don't breathe, it won't matter either. So it was, oh. I 
guess it was a conscious decision to take that breath. Yeah, yeah which yeah. maybe is about your um, yeah. outlook on life that, you know, that you, you've experienced all of that, but you've actually chosen to just keep on going and doing what you're doing. Yeah, I guess I have. Um, yeah, I haven't told that story for so long. Ah, no. Yeah. Hey, you, you were mentioning when you were studying, uh, what were you studying? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? And is that what you became? No, no, no. <laughs> when I was a young girl, I suppose, you know, when you're eight or nine, like a lot of young girls, I was going to be a film star. Oh. With one of my friends. We were going to be very famous. But then as I was, because I was spending so much time in hospital, I decided that the best thing I could be would be a doctor, but not a practising doctor. I wanted to go into research and find a cure for asthma. Okay. But, of course, I went on and became a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think um, the the influence of the amount of, like as you were saying earlier, like about reading with your mum and... um, would that have spiked any sort of desire to to be a teacher? What were you a teacher in? Our primary school. Yeah. The little ones. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, well, up, up as far as year six, I taught. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that influenced you at all, though, having that sort of, you know, bedtime reading? and? I think I, I've always been an avid reader. Okay. I can actually, I can actually remember the first children's novel I finished reading and how... What a letdown it was that it was finished because I wanted to keep going. What book was um, that? So I, what book was it that? It was an Edith Blyton book. It was The Adventures of a Wishing Chair. Oh, just talking to my daughter about that this morning. We are talking about that and the Enchanted Wood. and um, Yeah, and I read all of her Magic books. Far Away. Yeah. 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 Ah. Magic. And then she had the famous five and the Secret Seven, I think they were. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. talking about that. I read all those, but, you know, I was at home a lot or in mm. hospital a lot, so I read a lot. And I don't know whether that... I always feel like I fell into teaching, to be honest. I um, rested on my laurels a bit all the way through high school. But, you know, my... What is now called Year 12, but it was senior back then, my senior results were, were pretty good and... Um, that following year, the intake into teachers' college, they they had the had higher results. Students with higher results than they'd had previously. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But I really had rested on my laurels quite a bit through high school, mm. um, and then sort of I was offered a teacher scholarship, which is what we were given in those days. So it was either that, or I was going to go into. Um, to work for the government in some in an office somewhere, which I probably would have hated, mm. I think. I'm but anyway, sorry, I was officially. I've, I've just remembered a guidance officer came to school one, at one stage, and um, Mum was with me. I remember at the time. I remember he smoked. He was a chain smoker. He smoked <laughs> the whole time. He was talking to us, but. Um, I must have no, I must I must have wanted to be a teacher back then even. So yeah. this would have been year eleven or year twelve. And I said I wanted to be a teacher. And he looked at me and he said, Your wrists aren't strong enough to be a teacher. Oh. That makes sense, doesn't it? Was that to do with the whip? I don't know. Well, 
probably didn't whip anybody. I don't know. I don't. I think that was probably just a man <laughs> being what, a man. What has what a wrist got to do with it? Goodness me. I, we, we don't know. Mum and I never, ever worked it out. No. Work out. You don't need a lot of strength in your wrist to write on the blackboard. I don't know. Or maybe he thought, I don't know. No, well, no, I mean, because you would have been a teacher of, say, my age group, wouldn't you? So I'm 54, so I'm 20 yes. years younger. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I know, you know through yeah. our era it was definitely still in place that in the Catholic system anyway that, you know, nuns would give you a good old belting with the, the wire-edged ruler or, you know, the boys yeah, were all going up and getting the, what's it called, the strap or the, it wasn't a whip, Oh, the, the strap, strap they had hanging. The strap they had hanging from their habit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, were vicious buggers they were, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I went to I went to a Catholic school, but I was never I was never belted. Oh oh well I obviously was not either, because I must have been good. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> but they used to remember one nun, she used to we'd be standing up on these forms. Reciting tables, and if she thought we weren't saying them loudly enough, she'd stop or she'd get really angry. And we'd all have to put our hands out and get wiped oh, with the ruler. Yeah, I said now one had yeah. the metal strip. She actually would turn the ruler oh, over, really? so the metal strip was there, so she could get you in the, um, you know, the crease of your elbow, whatever that's called, the inside of your elbow. She'd actually hit you there, so that she could actually get you with the metal. I mean, yeah, that's, that's that was, it was so not normal that in year four yeah, that you were getting normal, that type of treatment. But mum, I remember mum saying once she heard that their lives were actually harder than we were, were led to believe. Oh, I can imagine. And they, you know, for example, if, um, if somebody came to the door, and I suppose this may have been around the time of the Depression or something, somebody, somebody who was hungry came to their door needing a meal, that meant that somebody went without they would all they would give the food away, things oh, like wow. that. So, yeah, I mean, it was wasn't a good way to teach, um, and I'm sh quite sure a lot of people have ongoing issues from the way they were mm. taught. It would be interesting to talk to one of them one day, but I think they're all long gone. It would I'd, be, yeah. See what that was all yeah. about for them too. So. But, uh, um, just in terms, you, you mentioned Digger earlier, and I know that was your um, your first husband. And mm -hmm. I thought maybe shall we we cover? You said to me um, once when I first met you that you were involved with the Relay for Life, and it was the first time you ever actually spoke about um, your loss of Digger and all that. So I was wondering whether you know this is about women sharing their stories. Whether you would be able to share that with us just in your way today. Yeah, okay. Um, sometimes I still don't believe it's happened mm. because we we were only in our 40s. Digger was 46 when he died. And we're at the stage where the children were grown. We were thinking that the next year we would start to do some real travel. And he was um, a very healthy, strong man. And um, he developed a pain in his stomach one day and um, 
it sort of went away and then it came back. So he went to the doctor and, you know, one thing followed on from another and they, they did a colonoscopy and he had colon cancer. However, by the time he was diagnosed, it was already in his liver. Oh, so okay. he had had, he'd had no, no symptoms up until then because I believe bowel cancer is quite is curable if it's got early enough. But by the time, by the time we knew about it, um, it was just it was too advanced. It was in other parts of his body. Um, I'm very grateful that the other parts of his body that it developed in, they were able to to kill. So he never ever experienced a lot of pain. It was more discomfort than pain. Yeah. Um, but we thought we thought we could beat it. He thought he could beat it. I thought he could beat it. Um, I must admit, I felt like I'd failed when he died. I thought I should have been able to keep him alive. Um, he did all the right things. When, when he was diagnosed, um, he used to meditate and he was very positive. Um, but we only had, we had seven months. We, I think of it as my nightmare time because mm. you, you, you live, you're living through a nightmare. It's not yeah. something that happens to you. It happens to other people. Um, Yeah, I don't. We were lucky enough to have 25 years. Um, I noticed one of your questions was, did I regret anything? Um, don't know if it's a regret, but I do sometimes wish that I'd hung on to our time together a bit tighter, if that okay. makes sense. Because because it, it, you almost take life for granted when you're that age. Mm. Yeah, you know, just being busy, being busy around the kids were doing yeah. what they were and then you just move it on. And, yeah. yeah. But I also think that about my children. I wish I'd hung on to their childhood a bit tighter exactly. than I did. Yeah. Because you're, you're right, you're just you're busy going from one day to the next or yeah, living your life, basically. Mm. So. Um, and, and in losing Digger, did that then become something that was... Um, became part of you that you would actually um, hold tighter to anyone else that you had in your life or were to meet? Yeah, yes, you're probably right. I was very lucky. I already had my two grandchildren at the time. Um, Ty was three. Sienna, she, Sienna was only nine months old when Tigger died. Okay. So I was very, very lucky that I had, had them already and, you know, my two ch children were grown. Um, but, yeah, I think I've held on to them a bit tighter. And um, I, If I could skip ahead a bit, one of your questions was, what's your favourite quote? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, go with the flow. No, Whatever comes up for you, just keep talking. The, the, one, that, the, the one that's always stuck with me is um, yesterday... Is, is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Ah, yeah. So I've sort of 
that's always been there for me and it's taught me to yeah, to hold on to each day a little bit harder, I think. Okay. So, Mark, where has your life gone since losing Digger? I'm going, I, my initial thought was to laugh when you, when you said losing Digger because when initially you don't know who you are or how you should be. And I remember one day somebody saying to me, oh, you know, since you lost Digger, and I snapped at them and said, I didn't lose him, I'm not that careless. Oh, oh God bless. That's lovely. <laughs> I think part of it is because you have so many cliches. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, oh, life goes on and all the rest of it. Well, you know, the mere fact that you're sitting, sitting in, in the funeral home having the ceremony for your husband's funeral while the traffic's still going by outside is very much a fact that life goes on. Yeah. Um, and it does go on just with, without, without him. Um, one of my cousins said to me, she, her husband had died oh, when she was pregnant with his second child, actually, and she said to me, um, it does get better, but it will never go away. Okay. And that's so true. It doesn't. It's always, it's always there. I, as I think I said to you earlier, I still don't believe sometimes that it's happened. Mm. You know, that doesn't happen to people like me. I don't know. I don't know why, why we think that we should be immune from what other people experience, but I think a lot of us do. So, um, I don't know, that first year was just, I don't know, it was just one, just one day after the other. I remember, um, I went back to, to teaching after, after about six weeks, and which I was grateful for because um, some days that's what, that, was all, that was all that got me out of bed. I would I'd be sitting up in bed just staring at the wall and... Yeah, I don't. I, I kept a diary back then. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, I read it a couple of months ago, and I, it just took me right back to how terrible those days were. I actually burnt it so that I can't read it again because it really, it wasn't a good thing to do. I'd forgotten just how how low you can become emotionally. You just so I guess that first year, actually I remember, it wasn't a good year, but I remember at the end of the year sitting um, sitting in the church. I taught in a Catholic school. So um, sitting at the end of the year ceremony we were having, and I just looked along, along the row where, where the children in my class were. I just looked along at them and I thought, it hasn't all been bad that for some reason the children, the class I had that year were a real dream. You know, they, they made life a bit easier. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then just move, oh, no, you just, you gradually start, I think, to live your life. I did a lot of reading about grief 
one of the books talked about the stages of grief and, and, and the point that I took on board was you don't go from stage one, then stage two, then stage three, right through to however many stages. You can get up to stage four and then be back at stage one the next day. And I, sometimes, I remember thinking at the time, sometimes I'd, I'd be, you know, life would be good and I'd be dealing with, with my life. And then suddenly it would feel like <coughs> the way, <coughs> excuse me, the way it felt to me was, was like I had a bucket of sadness thrown over me. Oh. So I'd go from, go from feeling normal yep. to feeling just sad and... Yeah, so I don't know. I think you you just learn to do each day at a time. But um, Digger had a, had a very good friend, a very close friend. They'd been friends since school. And my first date with Digger was to Tony's 21st birthday. Oh, okay. So I'd known Tony as long as I'd known, I knew Digger. And, um, and he was just always there, like, like a big brother. Um, and he's a big man. Anytime he was coming to visit, um, I would I'd say to Digger, oh, you know, I'll get my bear hug because Tony is a hugger. And, I don't know, after about 12 months or a bit longer after Digger died, um... I went to Gladstone for a, a niece's 21st and Tony had been invited to that. And we sat and talked for quite a while. And um, I was back up in Gladstone again a couple of weeks later and I saw him again. And you know, things started to change between us. If somebody had said to me that I would end up being with Tony, I would have laughed at them because he was only ever my husband's best friend, like, like a big brother. He would come to visit and he'd come and um, we'd have dinner and we'd sit and talk for a while, but I'd always go to bed or read a book or something and they would just spend time together. So we were both very surprised by this. We, um, there was a book we met, both read many years ago, just a novel, but one of the phrases in it was, who would have thunk it? And so we just we looked at used to look at each other and say, "Who would have thunk it?" <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So anyway, we um, were very lucky. Our children all knew each other, so that was. I think I think when when you're moving into another relationship, I think it helps if your children are comfortable with it all, mm. and they were. Um, How long have you been with Tony for now? We've been married for 21 years now. Oh, okay. So it's 20, 25 years since Digger died and Tony and I have been married 21 years. So, oh. so when we, we've decided when we're married 25 years, we're going to count as 50. Because uh, I had 20 with Digger and now I'll have 25 with Tony. Ah, that's good. So you get, what's, what's, yeah. the 20, what's the 25th, sorry, the 50th wedding anniversary get you? Is that silver oh, or something? It's gold, which gold. is far better than <laughs> yeah, for goodness sake, you need to go for the gold. <laughs> hey, Marg, we're going to finish up soon and it's been absolutely lovely. I know we, we sort of crossed a little bit here and there and 
I don't know whether people will realise the type of sound effects we just had in the background that we both just tried to <laughs> avoid happening. Crazy day with all these people at home and hanging around our spaces. Um, exactly. You know, you, you've told me what your favourite quote was and that was fabulous. Thank you so much. What, what could you tell me would be your favourite song or genre or band? And is there a fondest memory attached oh, to it? It's got to be my favourite song is Imagine. John Lennon. Oh, yes. Um, I remember being absolutely devastated when he, when he was there. Absolutely. I just just thought it was so wrong that the world had been robbed of such a talent so mm. easily. But yes, imagine, um, because it just appeals to me and, I, and I, like, I like what it's saying. And also, I don't know, it takes me back to when I was younger, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it is a beautiful I like song. A lot of, oh, it's a glorious song. But I like a lot of his music. Um, I like a lot of the Don McLean song too because that's sort of the that's sort of the soundtrack to my the early years of our marriage. And oh yes, when the children were little and yeah. So I guess yeah, music. It's more about music that takes us back. Mm. Um, I do do have a favourite song with Tony, and that's Unchained Melody. We both both like that one. Ah, yes, that's actually one of um, Tom's of my favourite too. Yeah, and Tony's and the sorry, getting my husband's mix up now. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Diga and I had a favourite song. Um, it was a by an English band called Lindisfarne. And it just, the, the lyrics used to go sitting by the fire, glow, oh, waiting for my girl to show, feeling the harmony grow. And we just used to, well, it was just our song. It appealed oh. to both of us. Oh, thank you for sharing yeah. those. Um, I, I do love having the, the, the songs shared because I've got, to me, life's about having a theme song to all the different stages of your life. And I often, I often think in terms of the songs that were played. Um, when things were happening and whether it was good or yeah. bad or it, it, it gives you a memory of someone um, that just makes you smile or, you know, just goes yeah. into that quiet moment. And I think it's, um, yeah, music's um, a big part of life, I think. so. It is. Yeah. It is. A lot of, I, I actually also like the 80s music because they were, they were my daughter's um, teenage years. Oh, yes. So yeah. It's playing a lot of that and it just reminds me of those years too, so... Yeah. In the days when we all actually got to watch Countdown and see what the bands look like compared yes. to now when everyone's, yeah. all the bands are tucked away inside iTunes and um, Spotify. Yeah. So you don't, you don't actually get to see them on a stage anymore. I used to love watching them. So I'd see them on the stage. I, I remember seeing um, Queen. And I, I could be wrong, but I believe this was the actual first video clip when they did Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, wow. And I, I just fell in love with that song mm. and the... And the way it was done and, and the absolute talent of those people. I just... Yeah. yeah. Did you see the movie recently? The... Certainly did. Yeah. What did yeah. you think? I loved, I loved it. I thought it was done very well. Um, I thought it, it just handled all the aspects of his life very well. Mm. Um, it made me actually learn a lot about him that I had no idea that there was the death. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wished I was at some of those concerts. It would have been pretty amazing. So, God, wouldn't it have been amazing? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Mark, thank you so much for sharing and for coming. I know you sort of did it with a little bit of hesitation because um, it is a big thing to be asked to come and um, share your story and be recorded. And um, yeah, it's valuable. You, you shared some really lovely um, messages and I know as I was listening to you, I could picture other people would be picking up um, that it resonated a lot with their lives as well. So you don't realise how valuable that is. And yeah, I just, um, yeah, I wish you a very happy 74th year and you're not, you're not very far off the gold anniversary. So <laughs> keep on chipping exactly. away towards that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thank you so much. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you can come back on again in the future, if you want to, you're more than welcome to. And, yeah, enjoy your day. Okay. Thank you, Sue.